Blog Talk Radio. There's a direct relationship between having the businesses and being in prison. Go find an Asian, see how many Asians you can find in American prisons. They ain't going to be in there. But 51% of your prison will be black because you don't, blacks don't have any businesses and industries. There's a direct link. Blacks won't practice group economics. Blacks won't practice group politics. If you don't practice, you're setting yourself up. I told that five-story building, you're setting yourself to get wiped out. Understand the nature of race, which is economic. If you, if you build the first floor, it's economic. Build your businesses and your industries. Control buildings and industry, and put that pools in your money. And hold that money. And, it's a, and practice group economics <clears throat> with it. Arab and Asian money bounces 12 to 13 times for at least. Jewish money bounces 18 times. Black folk got to learn how to practice group economics. Black Americans spend every penny they get outside their own community. Then you take the money and the wealth that you get from that first floor and go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. You then take that money on the first floor and you control your politics. Black folk must quit allowing people to tell them to go out and vote. Vote for what? Nobody's going to do anything for black folk in politics. Politics is controlled by money. Major corporations who got the money. That's what controls politics. If you have no money, you have no say-so, you have no benefits coming. So you take your money and you control and you take your money on the first floor, you buy every politician on the second floor. And any politician you can't buy, you rent or lease them to get what you need. Then once you get the second floor under control with the politician, with your money, then you go to the third floor. The third floor is then is the police department and the court system. You take your money from the first floor and your politics on the second floor and you control the court system and the police department. Then the fourth floor, you t- the fourth floor then is media. You then take the money that you generate off the first floor from business and industries <clears throat> and you go after radio stations, TV stations, newspapers, and cable systems so that you can now inform and communicate with your own people. Right now, <clears throat> black folk only control less than 35,000 of 1% of the media in the United States. Out of 12,000 radio stations, black folk own about something like about 75 or 80. That's all. You own no cable systems. You don't have a daily newspaper. You have nothing of importance. You don't. You got about one black TV station. And you, so you can't communicate with your people. You can't inform your people. You can't do anything. You can have Rush Limbaugh and all the rest of the guys talking about racism all day long and bad-mouthing you. And O'Reilly, they can talk, call black folk all kind of names all day long. What are you going to do? You can't respond. You can't even communicate with your own people because you, you don't have an economic base. 51% of all the prisoners in the United States are black people. You know, even though you only make up 12% of the population. That's no accident. It's because you don't control the economics and the politics. And they're going to go after the weakest people they can get their hands on to incarcerate them. That's the black folk. And what are you going to do in response to them when they, when they, when they, when they over-incarcerate you? You're going to go out and have a march, a demonstration. We're going to march. March what? Who cares? Marching has never changed anything.
Welcome to another installment of It's My House. It's January 2nd, 2018. Our topic for today is electricity theft. Electricity theft. Some people call it power theft. The live stream number is 619-768-2945. That's 619-768-2945. Now, before we get into our discussion on uh, electricity theft and housejacking, um, we're going to play by popular demand um, some students that built their own dormitory room via a tiny house. Hi, guys. Jenna here with Tiny House Giant Journey. Today, I'm at Westminster College in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania, and I'm going to show you a tiny house that's built completely by students. Let's go check it out. Take my Hi, my name is Justin Wilson. I'm a Westminster College student, and this is the Westminster College Tiny House. One interesting thing about the Westminster College Tiny House is it was built by students. Um, not all Westminster College students. Some students are from the Newcastle School of Trades. Every Friday we would come and we'd help them build stuff. They, they kind of gave us the easier stuff to do because they knew we weren't, you know, tradesmen or anything like that. One way that the borough let us keep the house here is to say that students could live here for a short time. Uh, it had to be academic. They're going to start tying in classes to the tiny house. So I met with a, a class last week. Uh, they are going to be a theater class, and they're trying to figure out a way to do a play inside the tiny house, whether it being outside or like viewing in from the windows. And that's one thing I think that makes this, this tiny house unique is that not only is it a living space, but it's also an academic space. You have a lot of debt when you leave any college. Coming into a tiny house, you could actually kind of fit the stuff you have from your dorm room in a house and kind of just live a more simple life and cheaper life. And I mean, you can move to places, so you don't have to stay in the same place forever. It makes your life kind of flexible, especially if you have a flexible career path. So I'm actually about to move into this house. I'm going to be the first one ever. I really want to kind of work out the kinks so I can help the students that are coming in next to kind of get an idea of how they can live in here and have a successful time. So this is the inside of the Westminster College Tiny House, or I like to call it the Dub C Tiny House. Um, this is the couch. It actually has a lot of storage underneath, so you can pull that out and have stuff stored under there. And it also pulls out to be a mattress, a full-size bed. I definitely want to have a, a game night, a Monopoly night, or some. I'm more of a life kind of guy. I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. We'll, we'll pick which game we're playing. Right. Uh, we have our heater right here, a propane heater. I know these get these guys get pretty hot, so excited about that. It's be nice and warm here in Western Pennsylvania. The staircase um, actually has storage built inside of it, so you can kind of keep everything you have so you don't, you don't have to hang stuff. You can kind of just fold everything and put it in there. Um, I have a lot of shoes, so I plan on, you know, trying to use most of this to fit some of my shoes. Um, I'm trying to cut myself down to a certain amount of shoes while I move in. Um, so, this is, yeah, this, the stairs are definitely one of the most unique parts of the, of the tiny house. Um, 
it's a little little steep, but you need that. You need to have you need to save space. So this is the bathroom. Um, I'll over here. We have our nature head composting toilet that we have not been used yet. It's gonna be fun, I think. I don't know. It's kind of a whole new journey for myself. Um, this is the sink. We got a full size sink in our bathroom. Uh, works and everything perfectly fine. Uh, and then we got the shower. We got a nice towel shower. Uh, regular standard size shower. Uh, hopefully I don't look like Elf in this shower. I don't think I will. Um, I mean, it's about right, the right height. So you're definitely moving in, huh? Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think that you know, being I'm honored also to be the first person. Uh, four years of college, never thought I'd be the first person moving into this tiny house. Even before I move in, everyone's like, "So do you live in a tiny house?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I guess so." <laughs> When I first saw this, I'm like, this is the coolest part of the house is the sliding door here. And you don't see a, a barn door every single time you go into any house. I mean, it's, I think it's awesome. So the kitchen, um, one of my favorite places in the house. Uh, I like to cook. My, my mom always cooks, so I like to cook. Uh, we got a crock pot, which you can basically cook anything, and you can do anything. Uh, we got our stove top, electric stove top. Um, we got some nice drawers for, you know, holding different appliances and stuff like that. Um, we got your working sink. Uh, it's a little small, but I think, you know, it's a tiny house, a tiny sink. Uh, hopefully we'll get some tiny dishes. Uh, we got our nice rack here. Um, got our refrigerator that is an electric refrigerator. We got our microwave. The plans are to get a toaster, toaster oven. Um, we'll see. I basically really only cook for myself, so I really don't need that much. I've learned just living in apartments and stuff to, like, you know, save space and kind of... So I think it's going to be a little bit smaller, but I think I'll be okay. So this is the loft up here. It's actually carpeted, which makes it nice. So I think, you know, makes, kind of makes you feel a little more homey, a little warm. Um, this is the bed, um, just a standard twin-size bed. Actually, I think it's a, a tall twin-size bed. If you like to sleep in small little areas, I mean, it's cozy. How's this compared to a dorm room? I bunked with a, with a few guys last year, and this is, this is more room than I had when I was bunking with them. I mean, there's a few nights, you know, you hit your head and just, like, fall back to sleep and just forget about what you were trying to do, so... <laughs> Are you worried about anything moving into a tiny house? I think one of the strangest things is going to be is going to the bathroom and the compost and toilet doesn't flush. So, I mean, there's a little twisty thingy that, you know, twists it, uh, kind of mixes it around, I guess, the mixer. But I definitely think that it's a, it's a good solution for anyone. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, but definitely for young people like myself who are trying to push their career forward and, you know, don't want to have to pay like $2,000 in a mortgage every month or I don't know how much a mortgage I haven't paid one yet so <laughs> just being around this tiny house makes me kind of even want to live in one after college I think if you want to live a cheaper lifestyle but still live in a nice environment and still be very comfortable I think a tiny house is the way to go enjoyed this video. I think it's fantastic what young people are doing in the tiny house movement and it can be a real solution for alternative housing for people coming straight out of college. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe and until next time, I'll see you guys later. Okay, welcome to another installment of It's My House, January 2nd, 2018 and today's podcast is titled Electricity Fifth. And we're going to, this is a distinction of power fifth because if a matter of fact, this, this podcast was inspired by one of our listeners. I won't reveal their name, but while they were out, 
um, you know, doing shopping, running errands, or what have you, someone broke into their house. Bold people out there. Um, now, before we manifest, if you live in a, a big urban city, you've definitely got to take some precautions. Um, let's see. Um, what's it's the audio I wanted to play for you guys. Um, listen to these two audios we're about to play, and then we'll get into it because this can lead to electricity theft or power theft. All right, you want to live in a beautiful home, but how about this? No rent, no mortgage. Well, no problem. That seems to be the case for a Mount Juliet man living in a half-million-dollar home without paying a dime. So how can someone get away with being a squatter? News Channel 5 investigative reporter Ben Hall went to find out. We want to talk to you about why you're in this house. I want to talk to you about getting out of here. How's that? Does that work with you? Get that out of my don't don't touch the camera. Jude Pisky didn't want to talk about why he's been squatting in this Mount Juliet home for more than two years. The bank you don't says, have a I don't give a bank says you don't have a right to. You know be. what I got to say? How, when did you move in? Don't matter. None of your business. Our investigation found that Pisky moved into the home more than two years ago, despite having no legal claim to the property. The banks that had foreclosed on the previous owners essentially forgot about it allowing it to sit empty for years. This video home tour shows what the luxury log cabin used to look like. Attempts to sell it fell apart because of confusion among banks after the housing crisis. It sat empty for a while before we tried to buy it. Ron and Dina Woodard fell in love with the home back in 2014 and tried to buy it at auction. I knew where all of my furniture was going to be. I mean, it was just... I just, you know, it was ours. You know, we were, and the kids, the kids were just as excited about it as we were. And their high bid was accepted. But days before they were set to close, the bank pulled the plug on the deal. There was no real explanation of, uh, of why. They were just kind of like, oh, we pulled the listing. Sorry. Yeah. In late 2012, J.P. Morgan Chase foreclosed on the home, then sold it to Bank of New York Mellon, as trustees for investors for a mortgage-backed security. Control over the home has since passed from Countrywide Financial to Bank of America and finally to NationStar. Meanwhile, it is sat empty. We couldn't get in touch with anybody that would claim any responsibility for the maintenance or ownership or anything else at that point. City Commissioner Ray Justice contacted more than one bank about the abandoned home, but they didn't seem to care. I got no response, zero response. It was about that time Jude Pisky, his friends, and family suddenly appeared at the house. This is probably one of the most bizarre things I've ever dealt with. Police were first called to the home in April of 2015 for a domestic dispute involving Pisky and his ex-wife. In September, police discovered a stolen vehicle at the property. The gentleman had no connection to the owners of the property and that we could find. Pisky actually paid the back property taxes on the home to keep Wilson County from seizing it in 2015. We found Pisky has a history of codes violations. In 2008, he illegally moved a home to a piece of land near Hermitage, forcing Davidson County officials to condemn the home. This is just nuts. Justice says he fields weekly complaints from his constituents, 
about the number of cars and junk being stored at the log cabin. Are you gaming the system? No, man, I'm running for Congress. Nation Star Bank finally sent us a statement saying, we greatly appreciate that you brought this to our attention and went on to say, we are moving quickly to evict the home of its current residents so the home can be prepared for sale. All I can do is applaud Channel 5 News. Thank you for, you know, for actually going an extra mile and helping us get this taken care of. But as we discovered, getting Pisky to leave may not be easy. This is not your property. The bank says you have no right to be here. As Pisky walked to his truck, we didn't realize what was about to happen. Let me see here. I'll just. What are you trying to do? Get out of here. All right. Go, God. We're backing up. No, leave, God. We're leaving right now. Don't hit. We're leaving right now. Now, we were not hurt by all that, but police arrested Pisky and charged him with aggravated assault. He bonded out and still lives in the house. We'll keep watching to see if the bank actually gets him out of the home. Now, that took place, I believe, in Nashville, Tennessee. Stephens has said on this podcast a few times. Cities, large municipalities, rather, are really becoming the place for the wealthy. So that gentleman in the video, there's a lot of people like that in every major city in the United States, you have people like that, and the police, of, of, you have to know something about civil law and get that person out through the court system yourself, or you have the money to, to pay for it. Um, now, that, that, now, like I said, today's podcast is titled Electricity Theft. Now, in this case, um, it's also known as power theft. In this case, like I said, when you own a piece of real estate, well, when you have the equitable rights, when you have the deed uh, to a property, well, in this case, Nashville, the water supply typically is going to, unless you have it properly contracted out or have your own water system in there, um, it's going to be municipal water. So this guy, while he's squatting in the house, all right, and there's a, what he's doing is, and we're going to break this down one day, trespassing. There are two distinctions of trespassing. Civil trespassing, where you as the homeowner, you can either hire a lawyer or you can do it yourself pro se, take this gentleman into court and sue him civilly for damages. Or, and I didn't know that when I had that problem, or you can, and after you finish your civil suit, then you can take that evidence over to the district attorney's office and sue him for criminal trespass. Most homeowners and most property owners, most landlords, the small ones at least, don't know that, what I just told you. So in any in any event, this guy, now he doesn't even know that he's committing a crime. He doesn't know that he's criminally trespassing, and he's using water while he's in there. He's 
drinking water, washing dishes, washing the car, flushing the toilet. And if the but the water company in typical in most large municipalities, they don't care who's using that water. They're looking at the address. So if that water bill is not paid, they will put a lien on that property, and if it's not paid, they'll they'll for, I mean foreclose on it and sell it for the water bill owes. You see, and that happens every day of the week. Oh, well, at least Monday through Friday. Stealing water, power theft, because water is a, a form of, uh, source of power. We'll be talking about electricity theft here in a moment. But that's when, because that was an example, what you heard was the house was hijacked, or as we call, housejacked. But a tiny house, you, you don't have those type of problems. I mean, well, they do have some problems, but there's more of a problem than this particularly uh, in the economic climate that we're in right now, particularly in large cities. And like I said, that was in, in, in Nashville. And the guy actually got violent. It, it's, it's, uh, you have a sort of video of that on YouTube. All right, so um, let's see. Let's go to our um, – oh, before I even go. Now, there are ways around that. If you have on your home, if you convert the system over, get off the city's water grid and have your own private water system, you can do that. Um, or um, you can um, – um, oh, my mind just went blank. I know you can have a, a private water system of your own. There's about two or three ways you can do that, um, depending on where you are. Um, you can have the water shut off to the house um, and have it so he cannot even call the city to have the water cut on. And he would have to order private water. And you can have tanks in the house where, you know, he can go on the yellow page and, and uh, order the water privately. Um but there, I don't know the full backstory on this story on how he even came in, um, came to occupy the house. But anyway, let's play this uh, next house jacking thing, and this is all part of electricity theft. Oh, I just remembered. When he's using that water, which is essentially your water, because the city's charging you because you own the house. You can get him for, here's another thing on the criminal side, theft of services. Because if he has not paid that water bill, and he, now you got to document all this, you can go to the local police and have him charged with of services. Now, depending on how big the gas, I mean, the, um, how much water they use, like it was like $100 or less. It depends on the state, you know, the different statutes. You can get them for petty larceny, or if they run up a real big bill, let's say 500 to $1,000, you can get them from grand larceny. But you're going, in some cases, you might have to educate the prosecutor. These are things that you as a property owner should know, even if you're not uh, a, land, I mean, a landlord, because as the next clip that we're going to play, you can go off to work. 
and somebody can break into her house and take up residency. residency. All right, you want to live in a beautiful home, but how about this? No rent, no mortgage. Well, nope. Now, this happened on Detroit's west side, and police are calling this a home invasion. But some people are seeing it a little differently. The victim did not want to talk on camera, but a few family members of the suspects did. Last night, the lady of this house came home to one hell of a surprise. There was one heck of a party in her pad, but she never got the invite. Three men had helped themselves to all of her gin and her Seagram's Happy Juice. And these cats went crazy. They cooked up all her food, crab legs, shrimp. They even had a bird in the oven. Can you believe it? And while they were fixing their feast, they were high as a kite on the chronic. Bold, huh? She screamed. They ran out the house. Then the lady called the law. According to the police report, the victim says her house was a hot mess. A bunch of her stuff was stolen, including some very sentimental things. And the dudes dining at her dining room table were fellas with familiar faces. She told detectives two of them live right next door. Now that's worse than a nosy neighbor. Your brothers were in there. Yeah, one of them. But Sis here says it's not his fault. He was just a guest. Somebody was squatting in, the, in that house. The guy that was in there, he was squatting already, so he was inviting people over as if he was living there. If you're a homeowner, renting a property or whatever, you don't leave your home abandoned for three, four months. Well, the woman tells Fox 2 she was there last Tuesday, and everything was intact. This is Detroit, Michigan. This is the hungry capital of the world, and we will come in there and squat in your house if you're not home. It was like a chill spot. Wait, 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 what? I mean, this is, if you squat in the house and you... Somebody invite you over to smoke some weed, go go be right next door. I don't know what you think about all this right now, but these people believe she's to blame and she should have known better than to ever, ever leave her house alone for too long. Stay on your property for your copper come up missing. Now that gentleman says he would never, ever do anything like that, but other people do. Two guys were arrested last night, but the other guy, he ran before the police got there. You know, the saddest thing about all this is you should be able to leave your house as long as you want to, and everybody should just leave it alone. By the way, that lady is looking for another place to live. I'm Andrea Isom on The Edge. Now, like I say, this this podcast was inspired by one of our regular listeners. I'm not going to put their name out there. I was talking to him yesterday. And while they were just out running errands, you know, daily errands like grocery shopping, going to post office, stuff like that, they came back, their house was, was broken into. So in, in some of your metropolitan, major metropolitan areas, uh, and then we're talking about in nice, decent neighborhoods, you have to have some kind of system set up um, to prevent your house from getting broken into it or even power stolen. Let's go to our electric. Uh, and the house jacking, that leads to power theft or electric. Today we're going to talk about electricity theft. We're going to do a series on power theft because you can break it down into electricity theft uh, and water theft. Um, those two distinctions. Okay, let's get to the first clip. Can you imagine making a criminal living scaling power poles 100 feet in the air, breaking into electrical power boxes? We call them illegal hookup men. Welcome to the dangerous world of stealing electricity in the city of Detroit. 
Now you're about to meet three men who live in this illegal world. Three men who admit they've been hacking into public power lines for years. My name is Brian Brooks. I've hooked up lights for the past few years. Altogether, I've done it 75 to 100 times. This is 29-year-old Brian Brooks, but sources say around town. He's known as the hookup guy. For 250 bucks, he admits he'll hook you up at the power box or climb a pole to provide you with stolen power. Even though he's been shocked many times doing it. I would usually get electrocuted every once in a while. It would hurt the out of my arm. It would scare the out of me. Oh yeah, Brian realizes he could die, but for him, it's all about the money. I got the pliers in my back pocket, the wire cutters. Okay, if I got $250 in my pocket, am I willing to get electrocuted? Yeah. No, but also yes. Go up there, get electrocuted. I ain't charged enough. If I get done with it without getting electrocuted, I'm happy I didn't get electrocuted. I'm happy I got the money. This is 46-year-old Kenneth Walls, actually caught on videotape by DTE Energy hidden cameras, hooking up a Detroit strip club with stolen power. He says he's been doing this since he was 10 years old, and you won't believe who taught him the trade. At that time, it was Edison. They turned the power and gas off in this winter time, and my mother told me to go out there and take the locks off. I was very handy, and she told, showed me how to turn it on. That's right. So, His own yeah. mother taught him. And he considers himself an expert. But he says a lot of the other guys have no idea what they're doing. I've been to places where guys didn't know what they was doing. They, they weren't electricians, and they tapped into three-phase lines and burned up equipment at different buildings, uh, stereos, uh, cameras, and TVs, burnt them out at houses. All the light bulbs blow out because they didn't know what they were doing. Take a look at this, bro. This electric device has been destroyed. But they've taken a piece of cable to restore the electricity. It's so dangerous. But Michael Lynch, chief security officer for DTE Energy, a man who's made it his mission to stop electrical thieves, says it gets a lot worse. Somebody had to climb this pole, get up on top of the transformers, and look what they've done. They put jumper cables on the primary wire. Often, he says, these hookup men will actually leave live power lines like this one, just lying unprotected on the ground. Broken. Sometimes the lines are wide open to boot. How do we know there's electricity flowing through this wire? Let me check. Okay. When that beeps, Bill, that means there's electricity flowing through. 120 volts. 120 volts of electricity going through that wire. Anybody could touch that right now, and, and they'd be killed? They could get killed right now. So just who's responsible for this dangerous hookup? It's us. Lynch says it's this man, James Lee Anderson, a convicted felon with a violent past. I've been in prison, bank robbery, arm robbery. Lights get cut off and they need it, and I'm charging 80, 125, 150. Now, to stop this dangerous crime, the Detroit Police Department. Oh, this guy. He's caused us a lot of trouble. Michael Lynch and his staff at DTE Energy and the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office are cracking down on energy thieves like never before. If you play with the box, you play with the wires, it's an automatic five-year felony. They've increased arrests from just two or three a year back in 2007 to over 120 arrests this year. These guys are, out, are doing something that's just outrageously dangerous. They're climbing up a pole that's energized with equipment, 13,200 volts, and they're hooking up 
an electric line to it. Yes, it is incredibly risky. Steal electricity and you could be photographed in the act by DTE Energy cameras. You could get arrested just as soon as you hit the ground coming off that pole. It'll be five months to five years straight uh, Department of Corrections. And you could be sentenced up to five years in prison. That's exactly what happened to Kenneth Walls, one of the three hookup men we just introduced you to. But most of all, you run the risk of being killed. Just look at this never-before-seen video of an electricity thief in Detroit actually being hit with a bolt of electricity. He tries to rig up a residential power box. And even after all of this, just watch what he does next. Yep, for the promise of making a few bucks, he just had to try it again. That is just incredible video you won't see anywhere else, and all of it, including those exclusive interviews with our three hookup guys, was shot by DTE Energy. You should know that those special hidden cameras are a big reason why Detroit police have been able to make so many of these arrests this year. You should also know that I actually played a major role in getting DTE to install those hidden cameras, because it was me that first went to Michael Lynch a year and a half ago with the original idea of trying to catch these guys on videotape. Bill, if it wasn't for you coming to us and challenging us to look at technology, we would have never have been able to develop it. And as a result, 121 people have been arrested. And it's, it, we thank you for helping us in developing that technology. Once again, the maximum penalty for stealing electricity in the city of Detroit, five years in prison. I'm Bill Spencer, the 7 Action News Investigators. Now, you still have people doing it in Detroit, and although Detroit is just so rampant up there, that's, and you heard what this guy said, he, you know, lobbied to get that done up there. But in other cities, you get your electricity stolen or any other power source stolen, it's on you as the homeowner or the landlord. I suggest that you go solar. When you're off the grid, and you have your own electrical solar system on your house or apartment building or tiny house or whatever, it's safer, it's cleaner. Uh, if you're renting it out or whatever, you don't have to worry about big power bills or nothing like that or any power bill at all, uh, depending on your lifestyle. Um, and we'll have workshops and retreats on that. But uh, if you're a landlord um, or you, like even a as you heard the video, the lady went off for a couple of weeks, and somebody broke in the house and used it as a chill spot. Let's go to our next uh, electricity theft audio. They bypassed my meter. You have to take pliers and take this off. So we can't do that. This is dangerous. Richard Moore says someone connected a power line in his meter box. They come in through the ground. And come up through here and did a very good job of hiding it. Bypassed me and went into Progress Energy. Moore says he didn't notice the theft because the power line is underground. He says someone aware of the theft alerted him, and Moore then reported it to Progress Energy. And they come out and looked at it, and I spoke with an investigator, and uh, he informed me that it wouldn't cause me no grievance that it was under investigation. Well, three months later, I get a bill in the mail for over $3,500. Moore showed us the Progress Energy bill, $3,573.69 to be exact. 
He also showed us a receipt by an electrician stating that the power line was connected to the Progress Energy side of his meter. I was told by three, three or four different people, I am not at fault here. I, I'm not the one that was stealing. I'm a loyal customer to Progress Energy. They're getting their money out of the victim and not the actual Thief. Moore says a suspect told investigators he was paying Moore a monthly fee for the illegal hookup. Moore denies that and says no one at Progress Energy will take his call. Going up against somebody like Progress Energy, they got deep pockets and friends in high places. I've practically lost this battle. Progress Energy spokesman Jeff Bridges tells us after an extensive investigation, the company decided to bill Richard Moore for the stolen electricity. Bridges says no criminal charges were filed. The public staff of the North Carolina Utility Commission agreed with the company's decision. Richard Moore says he's considering a lawsuit to recover money. He says he doesn't owe Progress Energy. Larry? And a lot of people, include myself, have gotten stuck like that by people. Uh, that's why you need to know the law. Now, once again, now, as in that case, you heard that um, the electric company won't return his phone calls and nothing like that. Well, you know what? Fire the electric company, go so. And that that's what we'll be we'll be doing demonstrations of that, um, and and setting that stuff up um, when our own places. But we're going to be giving classes or workshops rather, and even retreats on how people can convert their home uh because every home has its own infrastructure where you can generate your own power via using solar and that way you, and that's the way it's going you have to be you have to take a hundred percent ownership of your power the electric and water and heat that's the best way to go because you saw what kind of backup. This man didn't get no backup from the police. Once again, it's a, a civil matter. He would have to, he would, and here's another thing. It'll be good whether you have a tiny house off the grid or you have a, a, a piece of property within the city. I also suggest be your own police. In other words, convert your home into a smart house. With the technology today, you can convert your house into a smart house where with your cell phone and an app on your phone, you can be in China or Timbuktu or South America someplace. And from your cell phone, uh, let's say you have a house in Chicago or Orlando, you can, through your cell phone, check in real time, monitor in real time, see who's on the outside and the inside of your house, room by room if you want to every angle of the house if you want to. Next, with that smartphone, you can lock the doors, open the doors from $5,000 away if you have your house converted into a smart house. Uh, and a lot of this technology is available um, by do-it-yourself methods. So we're going to have workshops and classes on how to install this stuff yourself. Um, and that way, you can, uh, you know, that gives you the extra added protection. Now, another thing, um, even if you have that smart house technology, you still need 
a trusted person to go inside the house and check things out on a, a semi-regular basis, is, you know, um, because some of these crooks will know. They'll stick out a house and know, you know what, well, nobody goes by that house and they look at all that smart house technology and they'll take that off and then break in the house. So you're still going to need uh, the, the human element still needs to be included, but that would be with somebody that you know and trust. Uh, now, we'll do, like I say, a, um, probably a little bit more on this this week on elect- electricity theft and power theft, but electricity and water, um, you've got to protect those two entities. Uh, and you have, like I said, with the technology today, it's affordable. And you don't have to do everything all at the same time, but you just take one step at a time. All right. Um, and we're also going to talk about fire prevention. Fire prevention. Like I said, you got to, you can't depend on the city. In instances, you're going to have to be proactive if you have any real estate, particularly in a large municipality. All right. And you, if you're in physical good shape, you're going to have to put in an appearance yourself. I know I'm going to have to book a ticket today. You got to put in an appearance just so people can know that you're around. Okay. In addition to the health that you have, because um, what some of these uh, people do, and uh, this comes from the conversation I had when I'm not going to put the listener's name out there, but, you know, they're breaking a the house just to fill a copper pipes. And the smart thing to do is don't replace those pipes with more copper pipes. In any event, electricity theft, water theft, all comes under the banner of power theft. And if you have an off-the-grid home, you don't have to worry about those things. So uh, the, overall in the United States, the critical mass population isn't the the crime the crime community in the United States. Uh, they're not up on solar and renewable energy yet. If you go to some developing countries, which are ahead of the United States when it comes to uh, renewable energy technologies like solar, then um, if you got solar panels on your house, they'll they'll steal them. So we'll get into that too. Matter of fact, I need to talk to my the people about that. Um, but you can have solar panels on your house right now in most of your major cities in the United States, and there's—I haven't heard anybody having their solar panels stolen yet. But it's coming. <laughs> but, but but like I say, the crime community, uh, particularly the people that do this stupid ass shit, like steal electricity um, and water and all that. They're, they're not up on it yet. So on a critical mass basis, um, you can have solar panels on your house in, in, a, in a large urban city, and basically they'll be left alone. But the ball, where the ball is going, as they become – it might take them 10 years from now to become sophisticated on a critical mass basis on how to do that. But if you got them right now, plan planning your budget, okay, you need to have a system where – your solar panels cannot be stolen. All right. All right. Uh, 619 768 
And like I said, we'll have more information on power there. Because uh, you know what? This is our 1,002nd It's My House. We hit uh, 1,000 on Friday. Yesterday we did 1,001. Today we're on 1,002. And you know what? What I was thinking about this morning was I'm surprised that I didn't even speak about this process. Well, all those 1,000 shows, we talked about house hijacking and all that. But that's one of the things that I had to deal with. Power set, this little hood rat, knew how to um, knew how to change locks and knew how to cut the water on after the water was shut off at the meter. Okay. That's why you need to take 100% ownership your household power. And we're going to go into detail more about locks probably on another podcast, but if you, on your individual home, be it off-grid or on the grid, I'm going to suggest, this is something on my list for this year, um, don't put regular locks that you can get from Home Depot on your own. Um, you know when you go to a hotel or a motel and they have the pass key get a lock like that put on combination lock but but keys are played out for. I mean most people still have keys to get in their home but hood rats ghetto hood rats know how to get into those get something where they have you got to stay ahead of how they're thinking Get a pass key like they got at a motel, I mean, at a motel or a hotel, or get something where it's um, uh, it's by combination, and you can change the combination daily if you want to, remotely, any, from anywhere in the world. You know, prevention. So they, they try to go for the easy targets, and we'll have a locksmith on it, too. And we'll, these are the type of workshops and classes that we'll be having offline this year in 2018. Um, and that all helps with the uh, electricity, the power set. Um, in any event, let's go to our phone lines. Uh, uh, what is my lines opening up? 773, um, you there? Or his mic's opening. Okay, it's. Let me refresh my screen. It might be a problem on my end. Or I can. Ooh, let me try it another way. Let me go to my phone. And let's see if I can. Okay, let's try it this way. All right, seven seven three. Your mic is open. Good morning, Dr. Kelly. How are you? I'm fine. Fine. I that that power lock thing is is absolutely absolutely terrific. That's where we are fixing our house because when we go out of town, we need the house locked up, and we also need to see who's who's trying to enter the house. And uh, solar solar energy is practically all the way to go with the technology today, because you can constantly track 
you know, what's going on around your house, the garage, everywhere around your house. And who brought that to my attention was uh, one of my nephews that lives in Memphis, Tennessee. And mm. he says, oh, he says, oh, man, come on, let me show you my house. So I went by his house because he's in a real estate business. And driving in the driveway of his home, he turned on his phone and showed me our vehicle driving into the driveway into the garage. And I asked him, I said, how in the world did you get this to work? He said, well, the technology today, oh, man, he says, you can be out on the farm and see what's going on in your house. In your house, around right. your house. In the- I said, what? So since that time, my wife and I decided that we are going to put our house on lockdown. And uh, because before that, the houses, if you wanted security, was wired to the police station. Well, the police, now you can call if you see somebody is trying to uh, enter your house without permission. So the technology today is right on target. Everybody can afford it. Solar energy is your power source. Without solar energy, you can't have that service because... Uh, and the key, you, you, that key for the lock has codes within it, not outside of it. So you can you can even change those codes with your telephone. If you don't want that code, you think somebody has hijacked that code, then change the code. You ain't got a punch for one button, it'll change the code. Yes, sir? Solar energy and house theft. Is water theft and electricity, all of that now can be controlled by your phone. Makes no difference where you are in the country. Every day you can control it. I and it, the it's idea. taking a step, it's taking a step further, uh, Pleasant. And this is an idea that uh, I got out of South Africa. That's why I like African innovation because they're ahead of uh, a lot of stuff they do in Africa. They're ahead of the Western world. Um, when it comes to the police. Now, in addition to everything we're talking about, they hire um, private security companies to monitor, to be their private police. Uh-huh. And then they have a relationship, you know, with the governmental police, but uh, so essentially, they don't even, they don't need Virtually, they virtually have eliminated the police. The need for the police, uh, the government-paid police, that is. Um, so that's an idea that people can, um, you know, if you, if you have a community that you already have, uh, you can have you can hire private security, or if you develop a community. Um, you know, depending on how many people are there, uh, you can hire private security. And to, so that that's just a thought. But uh, uh, you know, there's a community here in Chicago that you and I have talked about so many times. That's what I want to do with that community. And we talk about gated community. Well, gated communities do not have 
you can have that technology to make that community a gated community. So anybody yeah, you know what, drive with a gated community, even with a gated community, you got fees that rob gated communities. Right. Because a gated community just means all right, you you know, you come in one way, you gotta go out the same way. And uh, yeah. they, sometimes they might have a, 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 a you know a guard at the front gate, but then some of these mm-hmm. folks know how to get in uh, legally or illegally, and then they know people at work, so they're robbing people's houses with you know electronics and stuff during the daytime. So you got to yeah. you know where where's with a, uh, the way they have it in South Africa, and you can get it done over here too. It's or you can hire somebody within the community, give them a job. And they, you know, they're roaming around, and if they, if it's, if if something goes wrong, or you see somebody that you shouldn't see, you know, through your cell phone or smartphone or whatever, you can send them, you can send them over to, um, you know, see what's going on. You know, today, uh, today, doctor, uh, doctor, uh, L.A., you, you, your gated community can be set up as to where you get a you get a warning signal on your phone. Right. Just, just this, just this year. On yesterday, uh, we was passing our presents. My children, the old phone that I've been had for the last five, six years. My children says, "Okay, Grandpa, it's time to throw away that that antiquated." old phone that you have, and here's, here's your new one. I got to go today and get this thing activated because I've been using antiquated equipment. So I'm going mm-hmm. to get it activated get it activated today. And then the things that we're talking about this morning, I'm, I'm going to be adding them one at a time as I go. Yeah, that's because, the way to do it, Pleasant. You, yeah, you don't need to have all this stuff uh, all on the same day. You just add it on based on your budget, you know, one at a time. You know, you might do something this month, and maybe three or four months later you do something else, and maybe another six months you do something else. Um, and then before you know it, you know, you're all set up. That's right. That's right. Now, what if you, what if you do a, a community that way? Well, you know. You, you, can, do it, you, can, you can do a community where you can design it that way, and, uh, particularly, let's, let's say, well, let's, let's take what you have there in Arkansas, okay, where well, uh-huh. you have a, you know, quite, a, quite a bit of land there, uh, and I got to figure out how to do this myself with my wooded properties. Uh, um, not all of them are wooded, but uh, like you have a valuable cash commodity there, trees. Yeah. And you got some people, because they're, I mean, and and we understand urban crime, but a lot of people don't know that there's rural crime too. And one of the rural crimes out there is people still harvest trees illegally on somebody's land and sell it. Yep. So That's right. um um you know I need to do I need to do a show on that. Because <laughs> we we're going rural and there is rural crime. So um yeah, in that kind of situation, you know, I, and you know what, I would have to contact some people I know that, because, see, I'm transitioning into this, all right, So I'm, but I know some people that have been doing this for years, because I know uh, 
some people I stayed with in Ohio, out in the rural area, um, they're on five acres. Now, when you drive onto their property, they can hear on the inside of their house, you know, some kind of ring or whatever. They can tell when somebody hits that ground. And I'm sure other people have, have something like that as well as cameras set up in strategic places. But um, got, with the wire, because how many I, acres do you have in, in Arkansas? Yeah, I've got, I've got a, a, in Memphis, Tennessee. I was just in, I was just in Memphis a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And I've got a grandson that when a door opens, whether it's the rear door, window, or back door, this thing goes off and says, Back door open. I looked around and I looked at the door, and I didn't see it. A few minutes later, uh, the door came open because his wife or girlfriend was bringing in some stuff from the car. Then we were sitting there eating lunch, and uh, something said, "Garage door open." Same kind of stuff when they put the garage in the car. And I asked him, right. where'd you get that? He says, oh, it's not it's my fault. They have me, uh, but our house is wired that way. I said, well, when are you going to put solar energy on it? He said, this coming year. He said, solar energy is going on the house. I said, that's a smart idea. So that you can police your own property. From that, hey, we got out of it. You're going to have to yeah. because in places like Detroit, even with the, with, with that audio, the, 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 all right, the budget in Detroit from some YouTube videos I heard is like this. That from what I've heard on some YouTube videos, Detroit police detectives, okay, because, you know, your regular patrolmen, they can call it in. Okay. And if they catch somebody in the act of whatever, they can make an arrest on the spot. But the detectives are the ones that have the power. So what I've heard coming out of Detroit, their budget is so tight. Unless somebody has been killed or shot, the detectives don't even come out. If it's nothing short of those two things, shot or killed. Right. You know one other thing that that's good for? They've got a system now that you can put on a car to where the red light cameras, it would detect red light cameras approaching the red light so that you don't get a ticket. I caught an Uber to okay. the hospital so that mm-hmm. so my wife would drive because the parking is so tight. So the, this driver that picked us up, and when we, we pulled up to one of the, was approaching one of the lights on the way to the hospital, the thing in his car went off, and I asked him, I says, where'd you get that? He says, from anybody that can stall uh, solar energy stuff, and it's ran by solar energy off his car. It's it's a solar energy-powered unit that he can put on his car that detects red light cameras. I said, mm-hmm. man, that my wife. We were sitting in the back seat. I told my wife, I said, we got to have one of those and put on our car. Because, as you were stating earlier, you can get enough tickets as to where you can get your car hijacked by the, by the system, the city, the county, right. the state. All of those people 
will put a lien against your automobile and hijack your car. And it's not if, if it's not paid for, you'll lose your ride. Period. Right. Absolutely. All of this technology. And here's something else that I I didn't discuss with you at at one point. The cities, municipalities, have now put water lines through the property to where you can connect your water source to the water line that's coming out of the city. It has they they've done it in Arkansas where my property is along mm. the highway, along the highway, where the road is owned by the state. They got water land, and you can tap into the water land and use that water source for your property. Now, they can after you use that water a certain length of time, they can steal your property because of a debt you may owe. So right. I suggest to have your own water. I, I just since we've talked, I got I just got one of my members, and I was running this by him. He installs uh, uh, water sources or what do you call that stuff? You clean up the water that you're using. And I told yeah. him, "What do you want to do?" He said, "What do you want to do, Brad?" I said, "I want to catch the rainwater. I want to capture rainwater." so that I can uh, clean it up. He said, well, you're going to need two systems. I said, which are they? He said, one for land water and the other one for uh, installing a unit that actually cleans up the water before it goes into the drain to go into the house. So he'll be coming on. You need to get him on his podcast so he can share that and probably get some business from it because... Like I say, the way the way things are now, you basically have to take ownership, as much ownership as you can over your uh, uh, your housing, and particularly yeah, you, if you're yeah. a landlord. Uh, 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 renter, you need you need that yeah, security yeah. service in your yeah. even yeah, if you yeah, absolutely renters need to know this too. Uh, that's why yeah. what, what we're doing is. That's why we're doing that one uh, one room school thing, uh, because uh, you know a lot of people. Uh, well, banks don't educate you on this stuff. The people at the housing shelters don't educate you on this. The shelters don't educate you on this, and that's why they, it's a revolving door with a lot of those yeah. organizations. So, um, um, like I said, I'm surprised I didn't even think of this. Yesterday. That's the reason for the one room schoolhouse. There, there, there you can take. And now the one room schoolhouse can service a lot of people across the country by going online to look at those services and how they do stuff. Right. The one room schoolhouse doesn't have a doesn't have to have a physical classroom as we know it as we know it today. Because right. now you set up the one room schoolhouse with all this technology in it, and you don't have to go directly to the property of the one-room schoolhouse to get educated. Right. You can get you can right. get educated online. You can get educated online once you become a member of the one uh, uh, become a member of the one-room schoolhouse, and the library. And the one-room schoolhouse is going to be one of the same. 
Right. So that right. so so anybody that want to become a member, they can get educated about what we're talking about today. Right. I don't care. Oh. I don't care where you are in the country. That's true, or or global. So um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's we're going to wrap it up today with um, electricity fest, and like I said, we'll have more. Uh, information on this and then we'll have actual uh offline workshops on um how to protect yourself with that so because even if you're off the grid like i say you you uh you have i mean you uh there's a lot of uh, energy vampires out here people that are stealing water from people stealing electricity from people uh, like, see, if you're in a rural area and you got trees on your land, you gotta you gotta protect that because you got people who yeah. kill trees. So uh, another variable resource that might be in a rural area. So um, we'll uh, we'll have all that out so so you can keep keep what you got. On that note, uh, that's it for today. Everyone have a good rest of the day. <laughs>